Jeremiah 29. If you get to Matthew, you've gone too far. Jeremiah chapter 29. While you're getting there, let me, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for the Holy Spirit. We know that um, so much of what you do in us and in the world is either through your word or through your spirit. And Lord, we recognize that your word is actually even more than what we hold in our hands here, that Jesus is the incarnate word that when you spoke the word in the beginning it created and you still are speaking today you're speaking new the new creation and your Holy Spirit is recreating people all the time Lord we ask that you would speak to us speak through your Bible speak through your spirit speak to us into our hearts into our lives Lord let us be changed and renewed, recreated, healed, or whatever it is that we need in our lives today. And Lord, I know so many people have come with needs of various kinds, whether that is a physical healing, an emotional healing. Lord, some of us just need a good swift kick. Lord, whatever it is that we've come with, with needing today, Lord, I pray that you, by your spirit, will provide and meet those needs, meet every person where they are. And as much as you're able to do so, use me. In Jesus' name, amen. So i um, tell you a little kind of semi-funny story. Um, you know, uh, in First Peter 2, it says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts and wage war against the soul. When I was in, when I was in high school, um, I was, I had a group of friends, we were mainly Christians, uh, so we all sat at the same table at lunchtime, and there was another young man there that who, who was not a Christian, and I don't know how it came up, we were talking about scripture and talking about Jesus, and, and he said that um, he didn't believe in Jesus, and, uh, or, you know, he didn't really believe in what Jesus had done, and, you know, what had God ever shown that, um, that there was a God out there? I said, well, he sent Jesus. He, you know, he sent Jesus to be in the world. And, and he said, um, uh, he, he wasn't sure about that. And, and I said, well, how do you explain the things that Jesus did? And he said, well, I believe in aliens. <laughs> and I almost pulled my hair out when he said that. I mean, I jumped out of my skin. I was like, you what? You don't <laughs> believe in Jesus, but you believe in aliens? So it, it just so happens, I, I, I told told my um my dad this and we we were sitting in church probably it's within a week on a wednesday night and uh my pastor opened up to this this passage in sec in first peter where we were aliens and strangers my dad kicked me and he, he said that's what he was talking about <laughs> we're aliens we're exiles we're strangers in this world well if you if you look in jeremiah 29 there is a place, a, a, a time when the people of Israel went into exile and they were aliens in a land that they did not know. 
Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about this later, but just to set it up just a, a little bit, um, if you remember, uh, remember Nebuchadnezzar? Anybody remember Nebuchadnezzar from the Bible? Um, Nebuchadnezzar was the, the king of, of Babylon, and there were actually several deportations of, of Jews from, from Jerusalem. Jerusalem was at one time a, a vassal kingdom uh, of Babylon. They paid tribute to Nebuchadnezzar, and actually they went kind of back and forth to Egypt and then to Nebuchadnezzar, whichever one kind of was, uh, looked better at the time. And so when they said, no, we're not going to pay to Babylon, we're going to pay over here to Egypt, uh, Babylon got all upset. So they, they came and they besieged Jerusalem. And there were several deportations of Jews into Babylon. Uh, the first deportation, what people believe mainly is, um, remember Daniel and his, his three friends, uh, uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and um, uh, what? Azariah, right? Uh, or better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, those or think they they think that they came over like in the first deportation. You know, they were some of probably of uh, um, if not they if not royal, they were in uh, you know high class, and they they came and got uh, into service in Babylon. But then Jerusalem was finally besieged, 586, 587 B.C. And uh, those who um, were left in Jerusalem, besides the poorest of the poor, were all taken to Babylon. They did leave some, like the, just the real poorest of the poor, who wouldn't. And the reason they did that is because they knew those people wouldn't uh, band together and rise up and try to rebel against Babylon. But they wanted somebody there that would go ahead and, and kind of tin the tin the fields and and keep it up just a little bit. So Jeremiah writes a letter to the exiles from Jerusalem that are now in Babylon. He said, "Now these are the words of the letter which Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders of the exile, the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon." This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the court officials, the princes of Judah, and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, uh, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to get to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them and plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will have welfare. And actually there the word, the word for welfare is, is shalom. It's, it's peace, but it, uh, shalom is not just peace. It's, in, it's more than just a, uh, a greeting. It is, um, it, it's welfare. It talks about a welfare of almost your very soul. It, you know, it's, it's everything uh, in, in goodness. Uh, verse 8, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams which they dream. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. 
I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For so thus says the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare against shalom and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations from the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from where I have sent you into exile. So if you are an exile, an alien, and in some way we are, let's, let's admit, you know, our home, this world is not our home. Our home really is with the Lord, right? Now, he's given us a place here, but how, how should we live and prosper and have that shalom of God in our lives while we are here in exile? You know, the first thing that Jeremiah says for them to do in verse 6, it says to settle in, um, it says, take wives, become the fathers of sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons. Give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. Uh, one idea that people have about this is that um, this is kind of a back way to keep them from rebelling. I'm not so sure about this, honestly, but I want to give you some of the thoughts. Because when somebody got married in Israel, they had a year or more that they would not, um, they would not fight in the army. They were supposed to just be a husband to their wife. And so Jeremiah said, hey, guys, look, you know, get married and have sons and daughters and have them get married. And, and, and that way <laughs> nobody's going to get band together, get an army together and, and go up against Babylon. Actually, I think that that's probably part of it. Jeremiah is encouraging them to become a part of the area. And what he wants them to do is have a life. And even more so, it says, multiply and do not decrease. If you go back, all the way back to Genesis, you know, this is God's plan for his people. You know, you go back to Genesis 1. It's be fruitful and multiply. You go to Noah, it's be fruitful and multiply. You know, with Abraham, it's be fruitful and multiply. Get into the land, be fruitful and multiply. Get into exile, be fruitful and multiply. And this is something that God always has for his people. And even in the New Testament, as we've well, I've mentioned before, Matthew 28 is really a play on the, the um, Genesis 1. You know, Matthew 28 is going to all the world, make disciples of all the nations, what happens? You be fruitful and multiply. And that's what he's saying here is when you get there, I want you to, to continue to fulfill the commission that I have given to you. Be fruitful and multiply. What they did to be fruitful and multiply is they got married and they had kids and they had grandkids and they were fruitful and they multiplied. You know, it's one thing that we need to continue to do is to have the Matthew 28 Great Commission up, and you're right in front of us all the time. We may be here and we may have around us a whole world that um, is in looks increasingly going the other direction. 
Well, let's be honest. You know, you, you know, you could have said back in maybe back in the fifties that that the United States was going, you know, towards God. Now it doesn't look like look so as much. But we have a commission that we need to be fruitful and multiply, and we need to be sharing the gospel. And look, I know I'm preaching to the choir. You guys know the gospel. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to preach the passage. Okay, so. Um, I, I know you guys know. I know so many of y'all share anyway. I know that that's in your heart. I know that we're praying for that. And so more than anything, let's do, I just want to keep it in front of us all the time. And, you know, it's not that you're not. I'm not trying to say, hey, guys, you know, you know shake my fist. No, no. I, you know, let's just keep it in front of us. That this is what we need to be doing. This is what we need to be praying for, is that God will give us these opportunities to be fruitful and multiply, to continue to share the gospel. To continue to, because when people come our way, it's God giving us the opportunities. And we need to pray that God will both give us the opportunity and that he will, if we need it, give us the big shove that we need to make sure that the words come out of our mouth to say, okay, here's the time. And I've, and I've there's been times I've flat missed it. I, I may have men- mentioned this story before, but uh, there was a time I was probably... I think I was 16, and um, I, I saw this uh, this kid sitting on a curb out by the, um, uh, it was the ninth grade, so lower high school in our town, and I think, I believe, if I remember right, he had kind of a spiked green hair, and, and uh, I looked over at him, I said, boy, that kid needs Jesus. Like, that kid, that, that kid really needs the Lord, and I really kind of felt in my heart, the Lord said, okay, go share with, go share me with him, and I went, not right now. <laughs> and, I, I, and I drove away. And, you know, I still remember that. And it still pricks my heart. And I still go, boy, I missed it. I missed the opportunity. And you know what? God will send those opportunities along. And a lot of times we learn more by missing it than we do when we actually get it. Because I know in my heart now I don't want to miss it. When, that, when those times come along and, and the Lord says, hey, I want you to share with them. You know, I really try to go and say, okay, I don't want to miss it again. And there have been times, you know, I'll be, you know, out eating breakfast with somebody, and, and the Lord will say, you know what, why don't you go talk to this waitress and, and tell her something. All right, okay, before I go, I've got to go go share the, share the Lord with this person. And that's what we need to do is just be ready in season and out of season and pray for those opportunities. And when they come, don't be like me when I missed it. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and... and and share, and let's be fruitful and multiply where we are. You know, the next thing that uh, Jeremiah encourages them to do is to seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. This is verse 7. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Now, isn't that interesting? Seek the welfare of the city where I have... Okay, if I remember my history correctly, and I think I do, Babylon came and besieged Jerusalem, and they carried all these Jews. They forced them to go into exile in Babylon. And here God is saying, this is where I sent you. 
we might be in a spot that we really are uncomfortable in our lives. But oftentimes that uncomfortableness is someplace where God has sent us. It reminds me of another time that the, pe- the people of Israel went into a foreign nation. It's because God sent Joseph. And it says that. Joseph, you know, he was put into slavery and taken into Egypt. And then Joseph comes around later after he had been a servant in Potiphar's house. And then he got thrown into prison. And then he finally gets in, you know, as the second in command of all Egypt. And his family comes to him and he said, God sent me here before you so that I could preserve you. So let me just encourage you. You might be in a tough spot. But it might be God who sent you into a tough spot. He says, pray for the welfare of the city. Because in its welfare is how you are going to prosper. As I think about Willimantic and and the towns where we live, and I think, okay, how is it? Because we all all would like to prosper. I'm not just talking about money. The word, again, is shalom. We want to have we want, to, we want the church to, to be filled. We want our hearts to be filled. We want to be, you know, we don't want to have lack in, in anything. We want, we want people to be, to be emotionally and physically well. We want, you know, we want us to be a, 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 a group that is alive with the Spirit of God. We want to prosper in all the th- ways that the Lord would have us to prosper. Now, if we take this for what it's saying, if we want to have all those things, when the area right outside this door prospers, we'll prosper. When our towns prosper, we'll prosper. When all of our neighbors prosper, we'll prosper. When they have peace, we'll have peace. When they have the shalom, we'll have the shalom. What I'd like us to do is let's, let's pray and let's start setting our hearts and our faith along those lines. You know, people around this time of year, they make New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you all have, um, has anybody broken their New Year's resolution yet this year? That's good. A lot of times it don't let, you know, it gets past that, uh, you know, January 1st, I'm good. January 2nd, well, let's start again next year, right? What I'd like to do for the next month, if you want to even carry it longer, but let's, you know, they often say it takes a month to create a habit. Wait, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but as many as, as would, I'd like you, us to commit together to pray for Willimantic and pray for our town, if you live outside of town. But let's pray that our towns in, the, in Willimantic, I'm going to include that because that's where we, where we come to church, that it will prosper for the next month, every day. And, and, you know, I'm not asking you to go into long intercession. I'm not saying, hey, I want you to spend an hour a day. It can be, hey, God, I just need to make sure I want to need to do this. 
Would you please let Willamannic prosper and let people come to know you? Amen. Okay? If you, even if that's, if you want to go into a lot greater prayer, great. Do. Please. But as many as, as would, would you, let's pray for Willamantic and your town, wherever you live, every day for this next month. Let's pray that Willamantic will prosper. Let's pray that people will come to know Jesus. Let's pray that um, the drug addictions will fall. Let's pray that that um, that there will be some some new um, new economic development. That new businesses would come in town. That that new jobs would be would be opened up. Because when this area out here begins to prosper, I mean, including everyone's towns where they live, when it prospers, we're going to prosper. So let's all, I'm, I'm asking for the next month, like I said, it can be a 15, 20 second prayer. If you want to do more, please do. But as many as would, let's pray every day that, that our town would prosper. And when that happens, you know, God's going to bring people in. God's going to br- start pricking hearts and he, he's going to have salvations. And he's going to have deliverances and and. God's going to cause his church, his people to prosper as this area out here prospers. And we're going we're gonna to hit it from the backside. We're going to pray for it. And then it's going to happen. And we're going to say, you know what, that's an answer to our prayers when it does. Amen. So we're, um, <clears throat> let's, let's continue to fulfill the Great Commission. Let's pray for the prosperity of, of where we live. And... Uh, then what, what he says in verse 8, he says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams which they dream, for the, they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. And it, it keeps on going from there, but let me explain kind of what's happening. Um, the quote-unquote prophets and, and dreamers, uh, many from Jerusalem, what they, were, what they were doing is they were coming and saying to the people, it, there is almost a next year in Jerusalem type thing. They were saying, you all aren't going to be here long. You're going to go back to Jerusalem. It's going to be good. You all, don't settle down. Don't be don't don't get involved in the area. You, you you're just gonna go. You're gonna come here for a little while. You're gonna go right back to Jerusalem, and it's gonna be glorious. And God's gonna gonna whip the Babylonians, and and you all are going to get get right back to the temple, and you're gonna rebuild. And and don't worry about Babylon. And they were prophesying this, quote unquote, in the name of the Lord. And Jeremiah said, Uh uh-uh. uh, no. What the Lord says is you've got 70 years here. So what I want you to do is get involved. I want you to, ha- to go ahead and marry and settle down and seek the prosperity of the area so that you'll prosper. Don't listen to the demoralizers. Because what that did is it demoralized them so that they wouldn't be salt and light to Babylon. And that happens today. 
And I've mentioned that a, a little bit because there are, there are people out there that basically say, look, we're just hanging on until Jesus comes back and really don't worry about the world anymore because we're just going to go to heaven and it's all going to be great there. So hands off the world. Let's just hang on and get to the point that we go to heaven. And heaven is great. And that's true. And praise God, everybody who's a Christian, uh, they are going to go to heaven when they die, and it's going to be wonderful, and we're going to be able, we're going to praise and worship the, the Lord all the time, and there'll be no more tears, and it, it'll be glorious, and that's all true and wonderful. But God has a purpose for us here. If he didn't have a purpose for us here, when you got saved, he'd hit the rapture button on you right then. Right? All right, Steve's, Steve's all good. Come home. Right? No, but he doesn't do that. He wants us to be salt and light here. And if we just focus on what's in the future, if we just say, you know what, the world's all going to hell in a handbasket anyway, so you know, I'm just going to let them do their thing, we're going to do our thing, and, and we'll, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm good when I die, I'm going to let them do whatever when they die, and that's all that's, what, that's, that's going to happen. If we keep that mindset we're not going to be the salt and the light. Right? So we have to realize God has put us here for a purpose. And we can't get demoralized by thinking, you know what? A, you can, you can say this. I've been around this a long time already. I've, I've, I've given my time in. I put my time in. And you know what? I'm going to let somebody else do the work now. I've done all this. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe God's not going to do it. Or, I don't care anymore. I just want to go home. I don't care about the world. Heaven's my home. The world's not my home. And so, you know what? I'm going to let heaven be my home. I'm not going to care about the world. And both of those things are demoralizing and will, will keep us from being salt and light to the world around us. And what I want us to say is, look, I don't know how long it's going to be. I'm not going to put a number on it. But we're here for the, all the amount of time that God has put us here, and let's press on to the finish line. And as long as he's put us here, let's have hope, and let's say, you know what, we're going to give every ounce that I've got to see how many people I can take with me into heaven. I'm going to give every ounce to see how much this area around here we can make a change for the kingdom of God. We're not going to get demoralized by people saying, oh, you know what, leave the world, let them do their thing, we'll just be heaven bound, and, or not going to be demoralized because it hasn't happened yet. Jeremiah said, hey, it's going to be 70 years. This was right the, at the time that they went. Okay? It hadn't been that long since they'd been in exile. And what he tells them is, a lot of you will never see Jerusalem again. How many of y'all in here, 70 years from now, it's probably going to mean you're going to be hit home? Okay? If you got this from Jeremiah, you'd go, I'm never going to see it again. But he's still saying, I want you to be effective in the area around you. And maybe only your kids or grandkids will ever see Jerusalem again. But I want you to be effective. 
during the time that I have you in this area. You know, I want to take this one step further and a little bit deeper. <coughs> I want to go back to the point that we should pray for and really minister to, pray for the welfare of the area around us. You have to remember that the Israelites, those who were in, in Judah, they were in Jerusalem and they were besieged by Babylon. What happens is, is uh, the, uh, when a, an army goes in, they'll surround a city and they won't let uh, any food provisions come in. They won't let anybody go out. And they will do this for months and months and months. Some of you all have been in, in, you know, in quarantine and it drives you crazy for about you know, two days. You're like, I can't stand it anymore. I've got to get to the store. Well, think about not going to the store for 18 months or more. You are quarantined in your city. You can't get out. No food can come in. A lot of times they try to, um, to knock off the water supply too. There is mass starvation. There is starvation to the point in what's recorded. There's starvation to the point that they begin, they begin to cannibalize. People are dying everywhere. The people that went into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, a lot of them died on the way because I believe it was about 900 miles you know, you talk about the Trail of Tears that where they took the uh, Indians from from um, from Florida all the way up to you know Oklahoma area, and uh, so many of them died and got sick along the way. That's a lot. How it was, it took them from from Jerusalem to Babylon. A lot of them got sick and died. They've already been starving for months and months and months and months, and then they make them walk all the way from Jerusalem to Babylon. Most of these people had lost loved ones. They'd probably lost absolutely. Everything that they had in life. And God says to them, I want you to pray for these people that did this to you. And I want you to ask God that they will prosper. And now, That puts a little bit different light on it. You know, when God says to pray for your enemies and to bless them, when God says that I want you to be a blessing, here these people are in a foreign land that foreign land had absolutely destroyed their entire way of life. And God is saying, I want you to pray for them. And I want you to bless them. I know that I think probably everyone in here has had somebody in their life that they've been hurt by. It may be that you've been hurt by a group of people or one person. 
It may be that you've been in the world and you've been hurt by the world. It may be that you've been, um, you may have been abused in some way. And I want to ask, have you forgiven to the point that you can pray for that person or that group? Have you forgiven to the point that you can bless them? You see, we are interested, and rightly so, we're interested in seeing people come to know the Lord. We're interested in having people set free and delivered and healed. We're interested in the kingdom of God impacting all around us. But I think before any of that, God is interested even more in our hearts. I think about Job, and I actually heard a a pastor earlier in the week say, you know, Job, um, it was kind of actually funny how he described the book. He said, the book opens up really good, a good story, and then it finishes up in a really good story at the end. He said, there's much conversation in the middle that I have no idea what it means. (laughs) If you've ever read Job, you know what I'm talking about. But at the end of Job, you know, God had, let Joe be tried and trialed and through all this stuff and his friends had come along and tried to demoralize Job in different forms and fashion. And it says that, you know, the friends had done Job wrong. And God gets on to the friends and it says, you need to have Job pray for you. And it says that Job was restored when he prayed for his friends. Job was restored and God gave him double everything he had when he prayed for his friends. See, I think what happened is God, God's interested in our hearts. And before all of this out here can change, and God wants it to and we want it to, God wants to make sure and here changes. So I'm going to give us a little bit of time this morning. And when I do, I'm going to ask that you do two things. Number one, I want you to just pray. And, and I'm like I said, I know everybody in here has been hurt in some way by somebody else or a group of somebodies. And I want us to say, ask, number one, have I forgiven that person or those people. And for me, that's the easier of the two steps. And sometimes that's really hard. I'm not going to lie. It's hard to say, I forgive so-and-so because they've really done me wrong. I forgive. I release them to you, Lord. Really, if I haven't given you the definition of forgiveness, it's not saying it's okay. Because what a lot of times what people have do to you or have been done, it's not okay. It's wrong. 
But what it is saying is, I am not going to hold judgment over this person any longer. I'm going to let God be the judge. I'm going to release all of my judgment, and I'm going to let God take care of all that. I'm going to release it to the Lord. So the first thing is, have you forgiven? And the second thing for me is actually even more difficult. Can you pray blessings over that person or those people? That's hard. I've been there. But what this will do is get our hearts in a place where God can use us to the fullness that he wants to use us. And I think even more than what's out here, and God wants that, and we want that, and that's all good, but he needs a group of people that he can fully use. And this being a year of Preparation, I believe, this is one of the first things that needs to happen. Is we need to make sure our hearts are prepared and right and in a way, a place where God can fully use us. So let's just take a moment. And like I said, first thing I'd like to do is just get with the Lord. Any way you need to do that, if you want to just bow your head if you need to go find a little bit quiet place in the sanctuary. Um, but I want you to ask, number one, who is that person and have I forgiven them? And then we're going to pray together. And I'm going to ask if you can bless that person in prayer.
as you're praying, the Lord might just show, begin to show you a lot of different faces. And if you just, as that happens, just go through and say, Lord, I forgive so and so. And if you can put any other words to it, then that's great too. Lord, I forgive so and so for doing this to me or doing this uh, action, this thing. Lord, I forgive this person. If you can fill in their name, that's good. Or even if it's just a face and I don't remember who it is, I don't remember their name, but I forgive them for doing X, Y, and Z. going to give just a couple more minutes. Let the Holy Spirit do its, his work. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would bring in front of each person here any faces, any names that we need to forgive and to release to you. Forgiveness breaks chains and it, it releases us from bondage. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. And, and as I do, I'm going to take a couple pauses here and there. And I want you to pray, if, if you will, if you can. I know that this is something that's asking a lot. I know. I've been there. I understand. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. And I'd like you to, if you can, pray that prayer of blessing over the people that have hurt you. Even if they are no longer living, I ask that you just... Release them in blessing. Not to say that whatever they did is okay and that you're one but it's 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 a way that the Lord has of releasing your heart and releasing the heavens to be open above us. So Lord, we lift up these people to you. Lord, these ones that have hurt us in so many different ways that only you and those in here know. Lord, we lift them up in the name of Jesus.
Just go ahead and fill in their names in your mind. In the name of the Lord, we bless him right now. Lord, we ask that you would place your hand upon them, that your goodness would rest upon them. If they do not know you, Lord, we ask for their salvation. We ask that you would convict them of whatever sin is in their hearts and that you would, con- that you would uh, bring them into the full knowledge of, of your Son as their Lord and Savior. Lord, we ask that you would surround them with your goodness. Lord, let everywhere they turn, let them encounter your goodness and your grace about them. And Lord, let that, if they don't know you, let that be a sign that they turn and everywhere they, they look, they see you all around. Lord, your word says that if we, if we bless and if we, uh, that you're heaping burning coals on their head, Lord, we, we bless them, Lord, and we ask that you would surround them with, your, with, with goodness and grace and mercy so that they will come into your kingdom. Lord, that you would continue to, to prosper them, that you continue to help them, that you continue to heal them, Lord. If, um, and Lord, that you would use all of those things to bring them closer to you. Lord, wherever they are and whatever walk of life they're in, we ask that your hand would be upon them right now and draw them closer to you. If they know you, praise the Lord, let them just be drawn so close that they feel your presence all about them and, and know your, your love and your life and your joy. Lord, we lift up our area around us. Lord, many people have been hurt even by the area where they live. A lot of people have gotten addicted or been abused in some form or fashion because of uh, an area where they either live now or they've lived before. They have, they have not been able to get the jobs or their jobs have... have um, left them instead of them leaving their jobs lord we pray for the area around us and we bless it now in the name of the lord we ask that that you would uh, release your spirit to go and to to bring life and to bring liberty and to bring hope we pray for economic success we pray for prosperity we pray that addictions would be broken we pray that uh, the the drug pushers would come to know jesus we pray that uh, the the, um, the uh, bondage of, of poverty would be broken and that, that your life and your liberty and your hope would be released all around us. We pray for, for new economic ventures to be all around this area, that, that people would, and businesses would, be, would move in, Lord, that people would be innovative and that new, that new businesses would spring up, that you would pour your life and your liberty and your hope and your prosperity and, and the goodness of your kingdom all around us, O oh Lord. Lord, let the schools here, the, 
uh, elementary and middle, high school and, and colleges. Lord, let them prosper. Let them be places where people come and get, um, not only get knowledge and wisdom, but get trained and get hope. And Lord, let them find you there. Let them realize that all the knowledge and training that they get won't get them to heaven. That only by you, only by your saving grace will they make it. And Lord, let them find it wherever they are in school. Let them find your salvation. Lord, we, we pray as you taught us that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done right here. As much as it's done in heaven and there's nothing stopping it in heaven, let it be done right here all around us in our lives, in our hearts, and in our community. Jesus' name.